Hello and welcome to the ANA Marketing Futures Podcast. I'm Mike Berberich, Senior Director of Marketing Futures and the host of this episode. We're back with another installment of our series in partnership with the ANA Awards Program, which celebrates great marketing and innovative thinking from the industry's leading brands. Today, we're taking a trip to New Zealand, where Spark, a telecom company in the midst of a rebrand, created a truly inspiring app that sits at the nexus of purpose and next-gen technology. Introducing a winner of four ANA Echo Award categories, Kupu, which uses AI-powered machine learning to understand objects and photos and translate them into Tereo, the language of the indigenous Maori people in real time. Our guest, Dan Wright of Colenso BBDO, shared the inspiration behind the Kupu app, discussed what it was like orchestrating so many moving parts at once, and explained the importance of this app, not just for the Maori people, but for all New Zealanders. Ladies and gentlemen, I am uh, very, very happy to welcome from halfway around the world, uh, Daniel Wright, who is the Group Executive Creative Director at Colenza BBDO in New Zealand. Uh, Dan, good morning to you, my friend. Thank you, Michael. Very, very happy to be here. And we're very, very happy to uh, have you on. Um, now, you're here to talk about um, a pretty remarkable campaign uh, that one of your clients, Spark, uh, launched in New Zealand. But before we get to that, uh, I want to give the opportunity uh, or the audience the opportunity to get to know you a little bit. So could you give us a little bit of uh, background info on yourself and how your journey led you to uh, Colenta BBDO? Sure, yeah. I've, I've, um, I have been with BBDO for uh, 10 years, around about 10 years, with a little stint in New York, but the rest of that time has been at Colenso in, in Auckland, New Zealand. Um, I, I don't know, I kind of fell out of, out of tech in the middle of the 90s when the internet was just kind of becoming a thing commercially and, and ended up not doing anything to do with what I'd studied, which was furniture design and got into, got into building websites, designing websites, um, which, which I loved. And, and it was back then, you just, nobody knew what they were doing, you see, so you just kind of did whatever you liked. And if you, um, if you could figure it out first, then you won. Um, so it was it was it was pretty amazing time to kind of be in that in that I guess line of work. Um, and over the years, that kind of developed into you know I got deeper into digital design, interactive design. Uh, worked for AKQA, a little bit of time at High Res in London, uh, some other digital shops, Tribal DDB, and then landed kind of in in brand agencies. Yeah, about ten years ago, I guess, and. It was, I guess it's it's a journey that sort of seems irrelevant now because it's all the same, but, you know, it, it is kind of the, I think, um, you know, the merging of, of digital and brand kind of happened across that time. So it was a, it was an exciting thing to, to be a part of. Um, and now we kind of get to, I don't know, I guess, you know, Cooper is probably a good example of, of, of that intersection kind of coming to a close, I guess, you know, it is, it is kind of brand and digital married at last. Yeah. It's, I, yeah, it's, it's one of the best 
um, examples of just a like pure tech play mixed with a pure purpose play that somehow ends up being like a hundred percent of both. Um, so very, very cool. So before we go, we start diving into uh, Kupu and like the tech behind it and what it kind of took to make it a reality. Um, would you mind uh, just kind of giving us an overview of the campaign itself? Yeah, sure. It's, um, it is a, the heart of it is a smartphone app um, where you can, it's super simple interaction, load the app, take a photograph of any object. Um, the app will detect what that object is and give you the Maori language translation. Um, so the way it works is, is simply, you know, you take a picture, maybe you could, you could take a picture of a glass and the app will recognize that it's a glass and give you the Maori translation for the word glass. Um, and then it will allow you to, to get a pronunciation example for that word. Um, so super simple kind of single function app, um, you know, designed to make translation of, of the Maori language super convenient. Um, just for context, um, Maori are the indigenous people of New Zealand. So uh, here for, for many hundreds and thousands of years. Um, and uh, and today or Māori is the, the language um, of their people. So um, it's kind of had a resurgence in the last few years in New Zealand and this app is kind of is recognizing that. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's just an incredible, I mean, I've seen the app in, in, in uh, action and it's just really, uh, for its simplicity, it's just beautiful. Um, but so this campaign ties into kind of a pivot or an evolution that uh, the Spark brand has been undergoing for uh, the past five years or so. Could you speak a little bit about that evolution and how it's affected uh, Colenso BBDO's uh, relationship with Spark? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, Spark, Spark is a telco, um, and they are the, they're the, they're the kind of, um, they are the ex state owned telco in New Zealand, right? So they, they've been around forever. Um, they used to be called telecom in a kind of very governmental way, um, <laughs> and rebranded to Spark. Um, I guess a couple of years before we took over the account um, and they did that uh, like many kind of ex-state-owned telcos to shake off the legacy of, of being this kind of big, slow, um, you know, insensitive incumbent uh, monopoly, I guess. And, and so, you know, a name change, which everyone was cynical about at the time, but, but is actually, has actually worked very well for them. Um, and has kind of reset, I guess, the the image a little bit. But um, but the name change was the beginning of that, I suppose. And there's a lot of there was a lot of work to do when we um, started working with Spark as their agency uh, back in 2000 and well, I want to say 15. Um, and I guess the, so. So the 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 job um, for us in partnership with with Spark was kind of to to make New Zealand like us again, uh, which is a great challenge. Um, but I guess in parallel to that, 
there was this other challenge that every telco in the world is facing, which is, um, well, telcos are, are kind of going out of business slowly but surely. And so the, you know, every telco in the world is is reinventing itself to be right. less of a supplier of kind of um, the plumbing of the internet and phone and and more of a, a supplier of kind of the benefit of the internet and phone, you know, to, a content provider, a, um, a technology partner, a digital services company. So Spark has been on, on that journey at the same time as they needed to kind of make New Zealand fall in love with them again. So it's been a, a you know, they could be seen as contradictory journeys. One is kind of is trying to connect emotionally with, with the country's people. And, and the second one is kind of trying to be, trying to innovate as fast as possible. Um, and, um, and so, you know, they can easily kind of take you on divergent paths. And I guess, uh, that's kind of been, you know, we, we leaned into, to making Kiwis like us and, and went kind of a hundred percent into that in the first couple of years. And, and, and it started to work, you know, we did a lot of storytelling that resonated with New Zealanders, um, and, one, it wasn't until we'd been doing that for a, for a couple of years that we started to act. And I guess um, Kupu and and work like Kupu was kind of the beginning of of starting to do things rather than tell stories. Mm. Um, and which is a you know yeah that's what every brand endeavors to do right i was gonna say story doing has been uh about on on 50 percent of the um you know ad age articles released in the last month yeah for sure um so yeah i mean that's been the evolution i guess has been um you know connect emotionally with stories and and we knew that we were doing that and we were even at the time you know an agency that wasn't that wasn't traditionally kind of used to making ads, you know, making kind of heartwarming TV spots. Right. Um, but that was the job for Spark at the time. And we did, we did that for a couple of years all in um, and, and shifted the needle. And yeah, then, as I say, we kind of, I think we can get back to doing what we love, which is, which is making things and, and building stuff that helps people on behalf of the brand. So that's kind of, that's where we are today, which is an exciting place to be. Yeah, that's excellent. And that's, you know, it's funny, I had, a, a, I was wondering about that with so many different objectives. Uh, you know, just Spark itself is a B2B and a B2C company. So even if it wasn't trying to do, you know, a rebranding in a time where, you know, its industry was under fire, it was still a lot of uh, levers to pull and plates to keep spinning. So it's very cool that you went with the emotional play, you know, the storytelling, the human resonance first, uh, it sounds like, and kind of just use that as a focal point until that started, you know, improving, which I guess gives you the runway now to, to make, make that pivot to more innovation, more, you know, product service, you know, business model changes, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, I think at the time we, we, we definitely went after business as well, but I think we did it in the same way. I think that the, the platform that we kind of established for Spark at the time um, was called Little Can Be Huge. And it's, uh, it's kind of, I guess, speaking to us as a tiny country with, with big ambition, um, 
but also speaking to a kind of classic positioning for telcos, which is, um, look, we don't want to claim your victories. We don't want to claim the the wins in life that our technology enables for you. We just want to deliver you the the tools, and um, and and we know that you're going to do amazing things with them. So there's mm. the, these kind of two two points of view um, that, that land and that that thought of a little can be huge and it's resonated with New Zealand really well but it's um it's a platform that is as applicable to um to any individual Kiwi as it is to a to a Kiwi business um so it's been something that we've been able to reinvent uh in business context and a consumer context um and and I think we'll be able to keep doing so for for many years Data and analytics continue to be the most effective marketing tools to build engaging experiences with the greatest potential to drive real business growth. Hi, I'm Bill Grover, director of the ANA Data and Analytics Practice. If you and your team are enabling art and science to move brand and business objectives, we want to hear about it. The ANA International Echo Awards have celebrated exceptional data-inspired strategy, creative, and results for over 90 years and attract entries from hundreds of leading brands and agencies around the world. Find out how your data-inspired marketing stacks up on a global stage. Head to echoawards.org to download your complimentary entry kit. Well, that's the uh, the beauty of a, you know, a, a good, authentic purpose is that uh, it really doesn't need to be touched up all that often. Um, so back to specifically the, uh, the Kupu campaign. Um, we were talking before, uh, I've mentioned this before, and I think even, and you did as well. Uh, this has been, uh, this was a combination of purpose and technology and brand building um, all coming together from the outside seamlessly. But um, was there an aha moment behind this campaign or was this kind of like, you know, Heinz 57, was this like iteration number 112 of the idea? Um, it was, it was, it came out of a kind of a, the idea came out of a, I guess, sort of hot box sprint session um, with a whole bunch of creatives, a bunch of kind of our partners, you know, we had the Google Zoo team involved um, so I don't know if you guys, do you guys have Google Zoo in the US? Uh, no, we do not have Google Zoo. They are, um, they are a kind of uh, mostly ex-agency creative department within Google that, that, um, that helps kind of, I guess, agency creative bridge the gap between, you know, agencies and technology. So um, we, we kind of do... Um, plenty of work with those guys and it's a good I guess it's a good conduit um into into Google and the tech that they that they have right so mm -hmm. uh there was a I, I think the brief that went into the room was was help um you know which is super broad um <laughs> and but it was kind of like okay what 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 are the issues facing New Zealand that Spark can help with you know and it was kind of us going all right well we've We've done the sort of um, we've done the warm stuff. We've we've done the a lot of love, and we're getting feedback from that. But now we need to step up and go. Okay, we've got scale, and we've got capability, and we've got now the right to do it. Um, so I guess it was sort of uh, 
saying, yeah, what do, what do Kiwis need and what can we help with? And that was everything from, you know, keeping New Zealanders safe on the internet to safe in the streets to reducing traffic accidents to, you know, um, how do we protect our culture? And so this was this was one of probably many ideas that came out of, of that kind of uh, line of thinking, I suppose. Um, and I guess there's, there's something wonderful that happens when you've got all of those different heads. And this is a, you know, I guess an argument for, for diversity and, and collaboration within our industry, but it's, um, but I just love the, the outcome every time of getting a room full of people who don't work together every day um, and, and giving them enough time to get over there get over themselves, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, and start to solve real problems and in, in ways that none of them could do alone. So I think there's a, there, it was one of those great examples. Um, and so it was kind of the Google team bringing a whole bunch of pieces of technology that they had lying around the office, um, or, you know, metaphor that they were excited about inside Google at the time and, and us kind of going, okay, here's a great problem. Um, and, and let's see if we can kind of put the two together to come up with a great solution. Hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, Maori Language Week and why you feel brand activity uh, around this occasion has ramped up in recent years? Because you said that recently it really uh, kind of became a, a focal point again. Um, why was that? Um, this is a big question, uh, but, but I'll give you kind of my take on it, I guess, which may well be wrong. Um, but my sense is that the, the well, uh, Māori Language Week has been around for decades, right? So I, th I think it started in 1975. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I don't, I was one year old then, so I don't, um, I don't remember it, but, um, but I'm sure it was small and, and apologetic. Um, and I think mm -hmm. that there was, there's been a, you know, New Zealand's a young country and I guess um, we were, I mean, obviously a, a, obviously a British colony uh, that was kind of formalized in 1840. So pretty young. Um, and I guess there's been a lot of, but, 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 but probably more, more integrated culturally than, than many, but still not amazing. And um, and so I think, and as a young country, uh, there's been a lot of insecurity and and in, certainly when I was growing up, New Zealand um, didn't really, uh, no one really succeeded here until they'd succeeded overseas. You know, we were, we were a pretty self-conscious country that looked externally for validation. Um, but I think there's something happened over the last kind of 15 years, I guess, you know, it started with with music, with a you know our music scene really hit its stride, got confidence, and and Kiwis started to love their own local music more. Mm. Um, and it's kind of been a wonderful blooming, I guess, of of pride and and our national culture and identity. Um, and I think that's been a big part of it. So, you know, brands are always just a reflection of the psyche of the country, um, you know, which is which is which is a wonderful thing to do, and it kind of confirms the psyche of the country back to the country, which I think is a really useful 
function for brands to have as well. But the um, but I think that's that's been the journey, right? The 15 years ago, we started to kind of go, wow, we can make kind of world class music, and we love it, and we've got our own music scene now, and we've got our own film scene now, and with you know uh, Peter Jackson making the uh, the Hobbit film, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and all of that stuff kind of right. made yeah. Kiwis gave Kiwis confidence in our own creative ability. Um, you know, guys like Taika Waititi and the Flight of the Concords and these sort of creative Kiwis who were who we were owning and loving and and appreciating. And I think it's just it's just expanded, right? And it's meant that that New Zealand has fallen in love with its own identity and culture and and our Māori heritage is part of that, right? So I think um, it it's probably wasn't the first thing to to blossom, but it's certainly happening now, I think. So a lot of Kiwis are going, uh, feeling like they should be more in touch with it. Um, and and so I guess that's a, and look, we, we launched Kupu during Māori Language Week. Other brands are doing stuff during Māori Language Week, but we, even now, two years on, you know, it, I feel silly doing things during one week for a thing like Māori language, you know, and I think we've, right. one of our ambitions for Kupu is that it's, um, that it's not a moment during the year, it's not a celebration for a week of a language or a culture, it's just, it's just there and people are using it all year round and we should be supporting it all year round and, and that's a wonderful step, right, where it's just, okay, now brands aren't, aren't just acting within a week. Um, brands are uh, just supporting our country and our culture yeah. consistently. And it's beautiful because it's, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's a kind of a constant portal or bridge connection that's always there and it's fueled by curiosity. I think that's the beautiful thing that it's not, you know, um, oh, get this, you know, take this like decoration and this AR thing will happen. And it's, it's, it's based by like, you know, I want to know what this word is, or I want to know how you would say that. I, I don't know. I think it's a really uh, important thing you did. And I honestly, marketing is all about connecting with culture, right. And finding where your swimming lane in it is. And uh, to be part of a cultural movement like this and to get to create a, uh, you know, advertising that promotes self-love must must be pretty fun. I have to imagine, of all of the uh, objectives to achieve, uh, that's that's not a bad one to focus in on. Yeah, it's it's a it's super fulfilling, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could just I'm it's like kind of it's the it's great to. I mean the the you know I've I've, I've my background is digital and it's, and one of the things things that I've always loved about it is that you can put a thing out into the world and then you can watch how it's received um, live mm. immediately, you know, with numbers ticking up and stuff. And it's, um, and it's, it's amazing. It, it gives you a real, a reality check on how much of the work that we do as an industry um, is just ephemeral, right? It kind of goes out there and there's a little flash and then it fades. Right. But, um, and so it's amazingly rewarding to, to work on something um, that stays, right? That that is sort of appreciated and re- received well, and and people keep using, and we can keep building on, and it's a it's a platform. But I think the the the, the thing that I mean, there's 
I think a lot of the stuff that you're saying um, was possible. All of the nice things you're saying about the app were sort of only possible because it was just a brutally simple idea, right? It was a right. functionally, it did one thing. It does one thing. Mm -hmm. And there's no, there's, there's no kind of, um, you know, and we were really careful not to add lots and lots of new features and, and make it convoluted and go, okay, what if it did this now? And we we're really, um, we, we acknowledge that it's not a, it's not a deep learning tool. It's not like, if you want to learn the language, um, you can do a class and, and you should do a class, but, um, but the purpose of the Kupu app is to go, okay, let's take something that might seem um, hard to get into, uh, like learning a new language and make it as convenient as, um, as any of the other apps on the home screen of your phone. You know, so you can just tap, tap, and you've got a word. You know, like as you say, it's a curiosity um, tool, right? So, but mm -hmm. it's as, but it's it's putting modern convenience onto a kind of, you know, onto traditional culture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, not only were uh, Spark and Google and Colenza BBDO involved. Um, but also Teaka, the uh, Maori dictionary that was uh, created by the Auckland University of Technology. Um, what was orchestrating all of those different players who are obviously at different, you know, uh, expectations and speeds of, of how they're used to doing things? Um, how did you tie all of that together? Because I feel like each, each element was absolutely vital. Absolutely, yeah, and and it is a. I mean, it's a. It was a. Um, I can't take credit for any of that, but it was inspiring to watch as a kind of um, masterclass and patient partnership. I think there's um. There was you know obviously Google who are um, you know amazing, ambitious, um, tech company, and and Colenso you know and and the client kind of responsible for the brand and. And then Teaka, who are, um, is sort of the, it's the pretty much the authority on um, the Maori language um, and started by a guy, uh, John C. Moorfield, who actually passed away just after we had started the project. Um, and he was, he was kind of the, you know, Teaka was his baby. It, it, so he was sort of the recognized authority on the language. Um, in, in New Zealand and the sort of the, the holder of, of all of that information. Um, and there's, I guess, and, and, but as a brand, I mean, a brand like Spark, we all knew and acknowledged right from the beginning that um, we couldn't have just done it with Spark and Google. We needed A, the information, but we, we needed the credibility and we needed the sensitivity too, right? So we, we, we can't as a, you know, a, a bunch of, of largely kind of Pākehā, Pākehā is the word for kind of white people in New Zealand, um, bunch of Pākehā people from advertising um, wanting to, to, you know, make a multi-language tool to support a brand. Um, you, you know, we needed to make it a partnership. We needed to make it mutually beneficial, right? So it's a, we needed to draw on the, the vast knowledge of the Teaka project and and but also make sure we were giving back so there's part of that uh reciprocity i guess is the, is the 
the function of the app to um, to help grow the language too. You know, it is a living language and it's kind of always changing and new words are always being added to it. But it's also got regional differences across the country. So, you know, there are different pronunciations. There are different kind of words in different contexts that, that shift a little bit. So there's there's functionality in the app that allows that feedback, mm-hmm. that allows people to, you know, people who speak fluent Māori in different parts of the country can actually feedback their point of view on a particular word or a particular pronunciation, and that gets fed back into the Te Aka team as well. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, as I say, very, uh, the process took a long time. And one thing that I've learned over and over is that innovation does take ages. You know, you can't right. imagine innovation to be breakneck speed, but it's, uh, but it's slow. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're, in advertising, we like to have an idea and make it and put it out. But, you know, every kind of genuine innovation project I've worked on has been, has been a couple of years you know, I think, and, oh, and this was no different. Same, same. So this is kind of, you know, was working respectfully at the pace of the Te Aka team, but also the the Māori consultants at Spark, uh, the iwi, who are the, the kind of Māori tribes across New Zealand, uh, getting buy-in from each and every one of them, um, from their kind of uh, councils and, and elders. Um, takes a long time and and it's um it's a very different kind of approach to meetings for example uh meetings in maori culture are are not rushed they are they are very kind of uh, drawn out they they're there are uh rituals and processes for introductions and um and we needed to be incredibly respectful of all of that stuff right mm-hmm. so that's uh, we can't go in there with our kind of agency hats on impatiently rushing things that needed to allow it the time it, it had to take to, to get done properly. Yeah, I mean, that's, and yeah, and I think that that is like, if you put this, if you went through all the work to create Kupu and like, you know, fluent Maori speakers were like, no, this, nope, no, this isn't it. Um, that would have been, you know, a lot of, a lot of resource, uh, kind of wasted. Um, so that's, yeah, it's, uh, uh, really incredible to hear that story and now, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but, um, I heard that this, uh, the technology behind Kupu, uh, at least in the configuration that it exists, uh, the plan is to make that available for other, uh, native languages. Yeah. Um, the, it's such a simple piece of tech, right? When it comes down to it, and it's um, so it's uh, you know, Google's Cloud Vision API, which does the object recognition in camera, um, and then plugged into the Teaka dictionary for translations. Um, the there are hundreds and thousands of indigenous languages on the brink of extinction all over the world. So I think that this is something that we talked about from the beginning and it's something that, that Google are currently in the process of of working on is kind of is pulling that technology out of the the Kupu app itself and then packaging it up so that it can be plugged into other languages and other other 
um, online dictionaries for those languages. That's just phenomenal. Um, so throughout this entire process, uh, what was the most valuable thing that you learned as an individual? Uh, I, I loved the, I mean, the, the, the crossover of purpose and tech that you called out is I love that you called that out because that's, that is the, the thing that we are chasing for spark day in, day out. That is, that is a pretty tight articulation of, of kind of what the brand stands for. Um, and you know, the, the sort of, I love the idea that, um, that we can harness, you know, technology at its, at its most cutting edge um, to help with our most, our least techie things, right? Our sort mm -hmm. of most, our heritage and, and our um, indigenous cultures and, and, and all of this stuff. I love that sort of full circle of technology. Um, so that's something I really enjoyed uh, with this particular project. And it's something that we, we keep pointing to and going that this is, this is what we want to keep, keep doing for, for this brand and for others, I guess, as well. Uh, but the thing I touched on before, I keep, I keep learning um, that innovation is slow. Um, and it's a, mm -hmm. a thing that I kind of, I remind myself of often because um, it's hard not to be impatient. And it's hard not to, I don't know, feel like you need to feel like it's a race, right? Innovation yeah. does kind of, it does feel like a race, but it's sort of, it isn't. I think if you, if you um, take the time and, and do it properly, then it's, um, then it pays dividends. And I think that the, even when you look at Kupu, for example, you know, the, the tech behind it, um, you know, existed. This, this wasn't, this wasn't a, um, none of the, the tech involved in Kupu was invented for Kupu. The Kupu simply brought together a series of different sort of pieces of technology in a, in a novel way that, that landed with people, I guess. Um, but but uh, the, the, the other thing, the third thing, I don't know, I'm, I lost count, but um, is, <laughs> is this, I don't know, the, the idea of kind of advertising working respectfully with, um, with non-advertising people. I think we can, we can easily get wrapped up in our own sort of self-importance and, and it's a wonderful lesson to say, well, actually, um, we are all here to um, hopefully to create culture, you know, and, and you need to have empathy and respect and sensitivity to do that properly. So that was a, that was an amazing lesson, I think, for, for me was just, um, uh, you know, remembering that it's not all about us. It's, um, it's actually all about everyone else. Wise words, something we could all take to heart. I love that. Um, so we touched on it a few times, but I wanted to kind of ask you sort of very explicitly what your thoughts are on diversity and inclusion. Um, I, I think it's, it's imperative and, and it's, it's, I mean, I, I think it's, I don't know, there are, there are two angles on this, right? One is, is being good people. Um, and part of being a good person, I think, is, is acknowledging everybody and, and treating everybody equally and being 
inclusive and looking beyond all of the things that that make us different right and I, I i love it most when it comes to life like that right when when we all look beyond what makes us different um the other side of it i think which i which i love too is is that it's it's absolutely essential to to creativity you know i think i mentioned earlier about just the the joy i have when you get a room full of people who who aren't usually together um and the different points of view that those people bring and the and and the weirdness that happens and the mm -hmm. the and you know if you can give those people time to to forget that they're um that they're not used to being around each other then um then wonderful things happen right and i think that needs to become habit you know that can't be a special occasion um and it's it's i guess frustrating that that it's all um not done that it's happening so slowly but but and but we all do need to kind of take responsibility and and keep pushing it i think that one of the things that we try and do um and this is like i think that there's part of it is the the work process that i was talking about and the, the amazing things that that diversity brings to that um part of it is just that we have a responsibility as an industry to in the in the way that we reflect the world around us because we are a you know we are a broadcaster of of kind of a, an image of humanity and the world and our culture mm -hmm. we need to acknowledge that responsibility that we have to not to not reflect um a culture that that sort of uh um that preserves divisiveness you know or that that mm -hmm. stereotypes people in roles i think one of the things we try and do is um and hopefully this will fade as as it becomes less necessary but we we try and kind of cast against type as much mm. as we can um and and not to make a point of it you know but the the thing with if you do it all the time it stops being a point you know i think that, that yeah. as as long as we're making casting diversity as a self-congratulatory uh act or a, a box tick or a kind of yep great did that then then we're still screwed. But if we're doing it um, to the point where it becomes nothing, then that's an amazing place to be, you know? And I think that's uh, that's kind of where we'd love to, to get to. I love that. Uh, I love that. And I think it is, it's necessary um, because, you know, to think that we've all been very like placidly drifting in one direction or another in terms of divisiveness is a little naive. So to like make a, a concerted conscious effort, I think, yeah, I think that's how you, you know, if, if, if something's going in one direction, you have to push in the other direction if you're ever going to get to a middle or a normal or a stasis. Um, so I really, I love that. Daniel, are you ready for the the toughest questions that we ask our guests at the ANA Marketing Futures podcast? I'm genuinely not. These are the most stressful questions that that I saw. Um, and this is what we do. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's, it's grueling. Uh, so number one, Daniel Wright, favorite album of all time, and why? <laughs> I wish I I wish I'd kind of. Um, listen to some of your, your 
more of your previous ones on this and um and got a great answer but, but I, I've, I've given this a lot of thought michael uh and i um my summary of this is that it's kind of like choosing a favorite year of your life Ooh. um and i i don't know if i can do that i think for me kind of the, the i don't know I just, I just love kind of uncovering new little little troves of music and um and and each one if i go back to you know i could probably give you 10 but they would each be so nostalgic um and i just don't know if i can i think that that uh, you know i would probably have one for for my high school years and and for you know when i finished that when i did varsity and when i did all those things but um i'd love to just find the next one I'm not letting you off the hook that easy. Uh, let's go. Let's go high school. What? Let's go. And you have to pick one of those years. Freshman, okay, sophomore, Weezer, Green Album. Boom. All right. We got there. We got there. Dan Wright's favorite album of all time. No exceptions. <laughs> Absolutely. Weezer Green Album. No album comes close. You heard it here first. You heard it here straight from his mouth. Uh, no, but um, no, I love that. Uh, I love that album. Uh, and I love that feeling. I get that 100%. Um, that's, uh, weirdly when, when somebody asks me who my favorite rapper is, it depends on the time of day they ask me. Uh, yeah, so, great. so yeah, I feel you on that one. So hopefully as this, you know, sticks you a little bit more in a particular time and place, uh, what artist or what song are you listening to now and why? Now I am... Now I am in lockdown with a five-year-old girl um, and, and an eight-year-old boy. And my Spotify algorithm will tell you that I'm listening to um, the Frozen 2 soundtrack mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, on repeat um, and, and Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, which is actually pretty good. I was going to say, that's a, a lucky break there for you. Um, <laughs> in terms of of me, I'm kind of, I've been dipping back into a little bit of, um, a bit of clap your hands, say yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, recently, yeah, absolutely. Which I think is kind of, and and in and around that kind of zone, I, which I think is just me trying to reclaim my uh, my Discover Weekly from the children. <laughs> um, it's, it's this constant, constant battle. <laughs> Uh, I, well, you know, I wish you the best. That is a, that's a major, that's a major battle. The stakes are pretty high there. Um, cause I can imagine that every time I like put on, uh, you know, uh, songs for a party and I go back to my discover weekly and I'm like, why are you so jovial all of a sudden? So I get you on that. Um, uh, mine is just show tunes and, uh, film scores. It's atrocious. <laughs> um, well, don't give up Hang in there. You can get it back. Um, so Daniel, before we wrap this up, uh, is there anything, you know, what's next for Colenso BBDO? What's next for Daniel Wright? We have, um, uh, I mean, it, it's always super exciting. I think there's there's a, you know, with we're kind of on the, you know, the evolution of the Spark stuff is exciting. The, the next stage of that is exciting. We've just launched a, we've just run a new piece of work for, for Spark, which is around screen time balance for kids um you know one of the things i think we're trying to tackle as a digital company with you know crossing over empathy and innovation is kind of going right well 
tech is amazing, but it does bring some challenges to us um, in terms of kind of screen time and all of that stuff. So there is a project that we've just launched called Play, which is a, a smart ball that tracks uh, playtime for your kids and oh, wow. exchanges it for screen time on devices. So that's, oh, that's kind of awesome. a, a thing that we've uh, that we've just launched um, and we've just been doing a, um, I guess, a social experiment across New Zealand where we invited a whole bunch, we invited everyone to participate and we've been working with a bunch of families to um, to use that product and, and, and prove it out. Uh, so that's a platform that will likely continue into this year. You know, I think there's a big, a big mission for Spark as a digital company to, to solve those those problems, and it's especially relevant now. You know, I think we're all in lockdown. We're all on screens all day, uh, and and our kids are more. So I think it's um, this year especially it will be it will be a big thing for us to tackle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's it's coming at exactly the right time. Daniel, thank you so, so much for taking some time out to chat with us about the ANA Echo Award winning uh, Kupu campaign. Um, and can't wait to see what you all come up with next. And uh, and and when, when that's out, changing the world, uh, hopefully you'll come back and, and have another chat with us. Awesome. Thank you, Michael. Really enjoyed it and uh, a great honor. Likewise, my friend. Be well. Uh, speak soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the ANA Marketing Futures podcast. Got an idea for a future episode? Pun very much intended. Shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. To learn more about the ANA Awards program and how you could be our next grand prize winner and possibly podcast guest, head on over to ana.net slash awards. And lastly, but not leastly, for all of the trend and innovation insight you could ever ask for, head on over to ana.net slash futures.